As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Today, I had the honor of sitting down with Dennis Crowley, the founder of Foursquare, and we talked about achieving greatness and the sacrifices it takes to do the things that we want to do in life, right? There's always a give and a take. So we dove deep into that. We also talked about the early days of Foursquare from their meteoric rise and their launch at South by to the behind the scenes struggles that actually happened in the months following that were never really talked about publicly. So Dennis shares some of his time afterwards trying to raise money for this thing, Foursquare, that seemed kind of foreign to investors. They, They didn't really believe in it. And then we talked about what Foursquare is today and how Dennis is spending his time. So it was a really great interview. I'm so glad we get to share it in full. We originally pulled clips into 
the Achieving Greatness episodes of This New Economy, which are really worth checking out. Just search for This New Economy. So I hope you enjoy. Stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So I, I guess to start off, I would love to hear kind of about the early days of, of Dodgeball, kind of your first venture into to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> well, let's see. I, um, we started Dodgeball, gosh, we started Dodgeball forever ago. Dodgeball, you know, everyone knows it as the, you know, our grad school thesis project that we sold to Google. Um, but Dodgeball was really just like the catch-all name for a whole bunch of stuff that I worked on leading up to that. Okay. So it used to be a web-based city guide. It used to be, um, a, you know, a city guide that was on the wireless web. That was before phones had web browsers. And then, um, you know, around around the time that, you know, we were at grad school and we didn't have full-time jobs and a lot of our friends were laid off and not working full-time jobs, it turned into this thing to, you know, help you find your your friends. And so... It was directly built off of um, not not as a good idea. It was it was directly built <laughs> off, of, you know, something that we wanted to have in the city because we thought it would make our lives more interesting. Yeah, you know, our friends' lives more interesting, and that's that's pretty much what it did. And what happened is that when you you know we made something that was kind of fun that people liked, it turns out they told their friends, and they told <laughs> they told their friends, and. You know, that, that's how the dodgeball stuff kind of came together. And so was it you, um, like in your free time, was, was it kind of everything that you were doing? What did it look like to, to actually get that to the market? Um, gosh, saying like to the market is such a weird... Okay, but, but to, to no, your no, friends, no. right? <laughs> we, were, we were grad students, right? Yeah, so we yeah. were, this is our thesis project was what happens if you take a social network and put it on the phone? Okay. Um, because we were thinking, um, you know, this is like the days, it was pre-Facebook. Uh, it was around the time of MySpace, but MySpace was music. It was Friendster. You know, Friendster was okay. the thing. And I think what drove us kind of nutty at the time was this idea that, you know, you would do all this work on Friendster and you'd close the lid on your laptop and then Friendster was done. You know, it's like, you should take Friendster with you. Like, it should change what you do on a Saturday night. Yeah. That was kind of our, our big thing. So, like... You know, I'm I'm not an engineer by training. I know, like, I learned how to code out of like one of those learn learn this in 30 days books, and so the stuff that I make is not very. Um, it's clever, but it's not very good. Okay, it's not very scalable, and so you know, like we used to joke that dodgeball would work. I don't know. I mean, maybe it would work. Maybe it wouldn't work. Right? <laughs> Who knows why it would crash? Or it was on a shared web host with 200 other websites. <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> else crashed their website it took ours down so it wasn't it wasn't very sophisticated but you know once we um you know once we brought it to google and we started throwing some engineering resources behind it you know google turned it into a real thing yeah um and uh we did that for about two years and we just weren't able to get them to love the project as much as we did and that's when we decided to move on Cool. Yeah. And so where did, I mean, the, where did kind of the idea for Squarespace come from after leaving Google, right? Like where, where how did that evolve or what did that look like for you? Square. Four square. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So I've just been passionate about helping make people make websites. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
And then after that, we started a payment company. We said, let's just call it Square. <laughs> good thing we added this thing. So, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So, yeah, so the, the idea for Foursquare. Anyway, you're, not, you're not the first person to do that. It's like, it's like once every 10 days. Okay. <laughs> it's the Square. It's the Square. A lot of us. A lot of squares, I guess. So, so where did uh, where did kind of the evolution there there come from um, for Foursquare? Um, so we knew that the, the check-in stuff we, we knew was really interesting and really powerful. And what we knew, like we knew this at Google, we knew what was powerful about it was not just like, hey, I'm at a bar, come meet me. Because I mean, that's what that's what dodgeball was. Like, I'm at a bar, I'm checking in because I want ten friends to show up. Um, what you know, what was interesting is that I could go into the database by hand, you know, the MySQL command line and say, you know, show me all the places where people have checked in between 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the East Village on a Saturday, sort them by distance, rank them by popularity, remove the ones that I've been to already. And that's the list of the best brunch places in New York. And I was like that, you know, I remember being in our office at Google, like someone's got to make this thing. You know, this is like a city guide that's crowdsourced by people that's, that's based off of like foot traffic and where people go. Yeah. Um, and we, we just, I mean, we, we pitched that internal. We couldn't get people really excited about it. It was, I mean, remember it was a very, very early, this is before Twitter. This is before like social networks had a real use besides just posting pictures um, and, and, you know, flirting and meeting people and stuff. Um, and so that's, that's what Foursquare was. And so we knew, you know, the, the thing with dodgeball was that like, if you didn't have a lot of friends on it, it was, you had no use for it. If you didn't go out to the bar every day, you like, right. had <laughs> and so we were like, you know, we thought like, what, what are we going to do to get regular people that don't have a ton of friends on this thing that aren't just going out drinking all the time? What, what do you get them? What do you have to build to make them check in all the time? And that's like, well, let's turn it into a game. What kind of game? Well, let's make a one player game uh, where you collect all the stuff and that's the badges. We'll make it, uh, a one, a two-player game where you compete against your friends, which would be the leaderboard, and a two-player game where you compete against strangers, which would be the mayorships. And so, I mean, we specifically designed those three games, hoping one of them would work, and it turns out all three of them worked, right. and then that thing was just, it just kind of took off. Um, you know, the interesting part of the Foursquare story is that, you know, like, it took off as a, as a, a check-in game, not as the, the thing that we had dreamed for the my sequels, you know, like it's not right, the, the right. crowdsourced city guy. I mean, in the eight years in, ask people, if you ask someone on the street, they'll be like, oh, check-ins. Yeah, but what happens to the check-ins? And half of them know that it's a guide and half of them know that it's, you know, still think it's the check-in app. You know, very, well, actually more of them now are starting to understand like what the company does. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we, we get so many data points. I don't know, it's like 10 million a day or... I think there's something like 11 billion check-ins in the system now. Like we just we just know where a lot of phones go over a long period of time, so we can do all sorts of interesting things, from make predictions on the stock market to make uh, advertising more accountable to build dashboards that represent how people are using physical space. You know, in addition to building all the awesome consumer stuff that we've been right. doing, you know, almost 10 years now. Yeah, but like the company has evolved in the same way that the consumer products have, although there was kind of this split, like you build stuff for consumers built off the data, and then you build stuff for enterprises built off the data. And I think the stuff that we didn't realize a long time ago was 
you know, consumer apps only make money when there's hundreds of millions of people using them. We just never got to hundreds of millions of people. We owe 50 million people to use the products. That's great. It's a great number, but it's not, you know, that's not Snapchat style numbers. Mm-hmm. But with that amount of data, you can make some really incredible enterprise products and the enterprise products monetize very, very well. Right. So that company is starting to see uh, a lot of success right now. Nice. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've even, I use Foursquare much differently than I did when it, it launched at South by. Um, even yeah. now, which is nice because oftentimes products kind of fade out. Um, but it's nice to be able to use it as, as even I've grown over the last eight years. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I mean, there's, there's like 10 or 20 consumer internet brands that people really care about in the U S and, you know, I think like, I think we're on that list and yeah. that's like a really, that's a really amazing thing. Yeah. You know, it, and it, I got to re- remind a lot of people here that, you know, it's like 95% of those apps are no longer around and long since forgotten. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had a, a long, hard, you know, long, hard fought battle to get where we are. But, um, you know, like it's pretty great to kind of reflect on it. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Well, when you look back, what, um, what kind of, of sacrifices did you make in order to prioritize Foursquare, right? Like, were there things that, that you didn't do on maybe your personal life or, or the time spent um, that, that if you just had a nine to five, you might have, have done differently? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I didn't get married. I didn't have kids. Um, I, you know, I, I used to kind of joke with my, actually, she wouldn't think it was funny, but uh, with my wife, and I was like, you know, I never thought of doing these two things at the same time. Like you run a startup and you get married and you have a family. And I was like, no, when Foursquare is over, we'll do that stuff. And then I kind of had this moment of like, Foursquare might never be over. Like it just might go on forever. So like, why don't we just kind of go on with living the rest of our lives at the same time? Yeah. But no, that's like a real, that's a, that's a real story. And that's like, those are difficult decisions to make. Um, you know, someone just asked me, I was out to coffee with an entrepreneur the other day. And, you know, I was telling about my daughter. We have a daughter now and she's 11 and she's like super sweet and super cute. And 11 months. Yeah. Not, months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like tiny. He's just... um, and he's like, well, how did you do Foursquare with, you know, with the, with the family? And I was like, I, I kind of I waited until Foursquare was kind of stable to do that. And, you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would able, would it have been able to do what we had done 2009, 2010, 2011, 12, you know, with, with the kid. And I think it, yeah. cause it, I mean, my priorities have totally switched. Like I try to get out of here at five 30. Like I, w- I want to go home and, and see the baby, you know? Um, but in those early days, we're just like work, 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 work. And so it's definitely, there's definitely trade-offs, you know? Um, but you know, now with the company being where it is and I think where I am with, you know, with Chelsea and, and our daughter, like I think things are pretty great. And so you, did you even wait for the, for your kind of to build a relationship even to get married? Um, did you purposely well, delay that? No, we, I mean, we're, I, I don't know. In hindsight, yeah. it's stupid, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like we, Chelsea and I have been dating since before Foursquare. Okay. And it was just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of crazy in the, in the early days and, I was just like, that's just another thing to worry about. Yeah. And then at one point I was like, no, no, no we, we really should, we, we should just do this. Let's just get married. And we did. And it was awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um, talk, talk to me about kind of, if, if you don't mind, um, how she has, has kind of d- dealt with the, the change over the years, right? Because you were obviously very consumed, most likely, I, w- I would assume, with work and, and Foursquare. Um, w- was it ever hard on her? Um, yeah, I think so. It's like, you know, you, you, there's, there's a lot of traveling and there's a lot of just like, Hey, there's, there's this dinner that popped up. I should go to it. This is a lot of like stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight doesn't seem important. You know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of our success in the early days is like we were out all the time promoting and hustling, speak at anything, go to anything, go to any dinner, talk about what we're doing, meet with everyone, pitch everyone. And we, we, you know, we were involved in everything. We, you know, I kind of think that we were helping to build like the New York tech ecosystem at the time by doing that because it was like smaller and more fragile. Um, but that was just like, that, that was kind of my life at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was my life before that was my life with dodgeball, my life with, with Google. And, um, you know, it wasn't until recently that a lot of that stuff kind of, kind of changed a little bit, you know, but Chelsea's also an entrepreneur. She's, um, you know, she, she started a makeup company with, uh, with a friend of hers a couple of years ago. Um, since having the kid, she's, she's, um, stepped away a little bit. But, you know, she she knows what it's like, you know, as much as I do to sure, kind of sure. go through the grind. And she certainly has a lot of empathy for the good days and the bad days. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, do, do you have a story about um, someone who, who has sacrificed in order to help you become um, successful? Um, you know, I think Chelsea is probably the best example of that, my wife, where... Um, you know, it's a lousy way to put it, but like just kind of like put up with it for a long, a long time. And I think, which is, which is like the crazy schedules and a lot of the traveling and a lot of the work and just like, it's all four square all the time. Yeah. And you know, that's probably the best summary of it. all four square all the time. And, and by all the time, I mean like for like four years, right. Which is like the, that's like a, a college career four <laughs> years. Um, but you know, it's like she, it was always, it was always super, like helpful and balancing to have, you know, you have a life out, outside of work too. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, married life with the, the kid that we have now. Um, and it, you know, wasn't as, as you know, it was rich and fulfilling but in, in different ways and kind of like family life. But yeah. she's like balance me out and ground me and kind of bring me back to reality and, you know, make sure that I, that I knew that the rest of the world didn't revolve around Foursquare. You know? <laughs> I think that's it's good to have. Important. It's really important. Yeah, well, I think in the early days, it's really easy to get full of yourself and full of the stuff that you're building. And, you know, we certainly, you know, we went through, I went through that phase with uh, with Dodgeball and I went through that phase with Foursquare. And, you know, she was always able to be like to kind of ground me and make me more self-aware about things. And I think we've been able to, I think companies get really bad and really toxic if the founder is way, way too full of themselves like that. And I think that we have a good, um, we have a good mix of like, you know, being awesome, but being self-aware and having humility and being able to make fun of ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously. And, you know, I think we, we experienced all those emotions in the early days of Foursquare. And I think we've embedded those things within the culture. Yeah. I, if Foursquare was my first company, it would not, it would not be as, the, the culture would not be as strong. Okay. okay. And I think, getting this shit kicked out of me at Google, like certainly 
certainly helped prepare me to do a better job in building this company. Was that kind of like culturally um, learning like how people work together at a bigger scale or? I think it was just like the, the reality of like, we are so passionate about this thing and we can't get it to work. Okay. And um, you know, like the, the fundraising story of our series A was very um, um, like grounding and humbling. Right. Like we had this awesome, like everyone remembers the Foursquare story. He's like, you guys made this thing and you launched it South by Southwest. And then it was awesome. And I'm like, no, we came back from South by Southwest. None of the stuff worked. All the users left and 33 venture capitalists said no over the course of six months. Like that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And no one remembers that story. You know, I remember it cause we lived through it and I had 33 people say no to my face. And like that's that's humbling, right? But that that's what starts the company off on a on a good on a good foot. Hmm. And it's not not just that, but it was you know like the the Google experience was was humbling too. Um, and then like the year I took a year off after I was like really depressed after that because I had no projects, no you know I worked forever to build that and it was gone. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think all that stuff has kind of contributed to to helping make this company the thing, you know, the thing that it is from like a you know a culture perspective. Yeah. When um, or, or when did you feel like a level of proficiency as as an entrepreneur um, or even a leader? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if I still feel this way. Uh, you know, there's we've we've gone through so much stuff at Foursquare, and I've been and I've been doing company meetings. I, um, I, I'm still a part of them now, but Jeff Jeff is kind of the main MC. But I did them for like seven years. Yeah. And sometimes you get up there and you you brag about how awesome we are, and sometimes you get up there and you have to like apologize for something we really screwed up. Or you talk about a great success, or you talk about like an awful failure, and um, you know, just doing that over time has made. Like I'm very I'm comfortable doing doing that now in a way that I was I wasn't before, and I think I'm comfortable asking you know answering difficult questions on the fly and I'm I'm I know when to you know turn up the inspirational stuff and I know when to um, you know give people re- real talk and like I don't know I think you just get that from doing it week after week over and over and over again. Um, you know there's. I work on this side project. I have a like a soccer team that we started, like a semi-professional soccer team. It's like two hours north of the city, and nice. uh, it's, it's a nonprofit, and you know, a thousand people show up at the game. It's not it's not really a huge deal, but um, but it's like it's it's. I started that thing from scratch. You know, it was kind of like a paternity leave project, and um, you know, I was just kind of very passionate about solving that problem. And they're all challenging, but once I kind of got into it, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm like, I'm pretty good at this part. of <laughs> I'm good at this beginning stage and like getting people together and getting people excited about it. And I think that's like, I love to do that. Like there's yeah. thousand things that need to get done. I don't know how to solve any of them. There's, you know, 10 resources, 10 volunteers available. Like how do we make this thing happen? Like that's, that's fun. And I like that. And like when I was doing that project and you know, we're, we're getting started for the second season. Now I had that epiphany of like, Oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, this part of it. It's just been so long since I did something new that I forgot that like I'm actually okay at that part. Right. <laughs> that energized me to come back to work after paternity leave and be like, all right, what, what can we fix here? Like I can fix stuff now. What do you want to fix? Totally. Um, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. It's a great analogy too. Um, so I, I guess looking looking forward, right? You you mentioned like Foursquare may never end. What's what's in the 
what's kind of the vision for the immediate future of, of Foursquare as it evolves? Um, well, I mean, a company generates revenue now. We generate a significant amount of revenue. And so when you generate a significant amount of revenue, like you can do lots of different things, right? Without getting into specifics, like you become really interesting to lots of companies. You have the opportunity to, um, you know, you can imagine taking the company public someday, you know? These, these are things that are, we are not planning for. They're not like on our radar. But when the company goes from not generating a significant amount of revenue to generating a significant amount of revenue, you, you have options that you didn't have before. Um, and so, you know, I think when you're in the early days of startup mode, your exit is like it's acquisition. And, you know, that's certainly been something that has been presented to us many times in the, horse, in the course of the company. And, you know, it's just not something that we wanted to do when it was presented to us. Mm-hmm. And now we're at the point where it's like, that's not our only option. Like right. <laughs> there's other options at this and they're not fantasy land options. Like the thing could, you know, is really starting to work. Um, and so that's, that's, uh, I, I don't know what the ending is, yeah. but I can see, you know, you ever read like a choose your own adventure book and you can flip a little ahead. Like I can see what the multiple endings are. Yeah. I just don't, what the ending is. <clears throat> nice, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, man. That's uh, that's all I I uh, I need to put it put it together. Um, yeah, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and and your time. Yeah, it's a, it's always fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, Especially people want to talk about like the you know uh, how hard it is as opposed to how glamorous it is. Right. I'm kind of over the glamorous part of it because like. You know, eighty percent of our experience has been like the the, the struggle the part. Hard part. I know you just can't always put that out there when you're in the middle of it, right? Yeah, which is why it's nice to be on the other side of it because then yep. you can really you can start to talk openly about it. And this, this is the thing: it's like other the um, it's just the story that's not told that often, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a story that people need to hear. It's like it's nearly yeah. impossible to survive the middle stages, <laughs> and like if you can do it. Like there's good stuff on the other side. It's just it's just really hard to do, and it takes a long good. time. I mean, you guys are are in what eight year eight now? Uh, yeah, depending on when you start when you started counting. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you when, when we did our what was it a series A or a series B? It was either I think it was Fred Wilson was like, listen, you know, if you you go down the series B path, um, you, like you know, you're on the road to becoming a profitable company, and it would probably take you you know, eight to 10 years. I'm like, eight to 10 years, that's crazy talk. <laughs> like, we're going to do it in two years. Right. <laughs> that's the arrogance that you have around the Series A, Series B. Um, but it's like eight years, it's just starting to work. So I'm like, oh, what he was talking about. How right. different. <laughs> you know? um, but, but no, it, it's true. And then, you know, if you go back and you look at, you know, Twitter, Facebook, like how long will it take Snapchat? Um, yeah. You know, it, I mean, it, that's, that's the timeline. And so that's, that's how it works. It takes a long time to make stuff come together. If you want to find out more about Rocketship.fm, go to Rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, 
tell a friend or two friends or a lot of friends we would love it if you would spread the word we you could sign up for our newsletter we have partnered with product collective mike belcito's company to bring you even more content each week so if you sign up for the newsletter you're going to get content from rocket ship fm you're also going to get detailed product content from product collective which is incredibly valuable and as entrepreneurs it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on so go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter if you enjoy this content leave us a quick review um or tell a friend or share the link on twitter anything helps to get the word out about the show we really appreciate it we'll be right back here in just a couple of days 